We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. But I'm, I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, uh, and, and today, um, what I want to be talking uh, to you guys about is the arms of God, the, the arms of God. You know, everything that we discuss um, in this church, whether it's elevation class, whether it's uh, Wednesday night service, whether it's uh, what you're going to hear from this pulpit uh, spoke on, on a Sunday, is trying to reveal to you or show you or, or open up another door t- to you to have another opportunity where you can see and experience God in your life. That, that's the whole point. We're not up here just giving our opinions or, man, what's a sermon that I think would sound good or be fun? Or Now, now it's great when it all lines up like that, but whenever Melanie has to give a sermon about excrement or whatever, you know, sometimes you just got to do, do what you've been told to do. But, but, but everything, excretion, what was it, Ex- excretion? Sorry, I said excrement. What? Pardon the expression, but... Uh, but, but, but our, our job while we are up here, there, there, is, there is a burden that's been, that, that we feel from the Holy Spirit to, to get a word to you that hopefully reveals another attribute of God's character to you. That's, that's the whole point of what we're doing. And so I want to talk to you today about the arms of God because I want us to see that God is trying to reach out to us on purpose. Um, f- first verse we're going to start with today is Revelation 1, verse 7. Um, that's the last book in your Bible um, before you get to the maps at the end that no one looks at. Uh, it says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. It goes on to say in verse 8, I am the Alpha the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. God will return one day. There will be a day where you will be able to see and behold God in person. You won't, you won't need faith to see God. He will be there, and, and there will be a time where either you're going to be, oh man, this is really good, or you're going to be going like those that pierced him, oh no, this is really bad. But, but what I want you to see is because there's, there's a lot of people that don't get that God is right now reaching out to us, trying to instill in us principles that he wants us to live by. Revelation 3.11, it, it comes with a warning and then kind of something that we need to look at. Revelation 3.11 says, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. Now hold on. I am coming soon. Okay, we get that. But hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. What, what the word is trying to show us is, and, and it's what a lot of people have a hard time understanding, is that God has placed on you a crown that is not a bad crown. He has sealed you with an identity with his own hand, That is not a bad identity. Hold on to what you have so that no one can remove from you the crown that I've placed on your head. You have been marked by his own hand, by his own spirit, as a son of the Most High, 
as a daughter of the Most High, that makes you royalty of the Most High. In a royal lineage, you've been made. But there are people that are hesitant when they see the hand of God or they feel the hand of God coming in because they feel like God is reaching out to us to smack us or to hurt us or to harm us. Or they think that the arm of God can't do what it's supposed to do. Acts 4.30 says, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. God's hand is stretched out to us. God's hand is reaching down to us. But it's to perform signs, wonders, and miracles through the son that was sent to die for us and to give us authority. So, or do we not know the verse that everybody loves to quote? Oh, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans that, that are good plans, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Do we know what that verse says? Or do we assume that every entity that represents God's hand coming into our life is something negative? See, the enemy hates what God's arms represent in our life. God, the enemy hates us having the right mindset of God moving in our life because he doesn't want us to have the right perspective of the arms of God. He doesn't want us to have the right perspective of what a good, holy fear of God should be because the hands of God and the arm of God bring discipline, correction, peace, health, authority, the hands of God, when they move in our life, crushes the enemy, removes sin, removes inflicted wounds upon us from our past. It creates inside of us a new heart. It creates inside of us new ways of thinking, new life. And it gives us confidence. Why would the enemy want us to experience that? So he wants to keep us locked away either by our own thinking about who God is or through an inability to understand what the Word says to keep us from receiving the call of what God has on our life. See, people miss God because they reject His representation of Him in their life. See, like, like Pastor Tim talked about last week, our lifestyle choices are what exclude us from being able to be in covenant with the blessings of God. It's our personal life choices that exclude us from being under the covenant of the blessings of God. God's holding it ready to give it out, but we are choosing. See, we think he's missed it, or he's missed us, when in reality, we've missed it. God's arm is not too short. He doesn't have an inability to get it to you. And I love what Isaiah 59 says in verses 1 and 2. It says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear you, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. See, people miss God working in their lives because they're too focused on creating problems for him to solve. Instead of being a part of the solution, instead of being a part of trying to find, find God, stay close to God, we're so busy trying to create more problems in our life for God to fix, 
Where's God at? Where's God at? You are choosing to hide yourself because of the choices that we're making. See, God's standing there reaching out all the way to you. He's not, he's not got too short of arms that he can't reach you. It's like that commercial with the alligators like, oh, I'll pay the bill. And he can't, and he can't reach the table. And he's like, ah. That's, that's not how God is to you. God, God has more than enough capability to get it to you. But are you going to be in a place where you can receive from the arms of the Lord? See, the arms of the Lord are going to take you to victory. That's what God wants. The arms of God want to take you to victory. And, and we're going to discuss the three ways that He's going to do that. But we have to understand that it's only because of the Lord in our life first, us submitted to Him, that we have our veils taken away to see that there's a whole new life available to us anyway. You know, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Until a person comes to the place where they are going to turn to the Lord, there is a veil over your understanding. There is a veil over what you can see. You see in part, you see a little bit, but the majority and clarity is not uncovered to you. But it's whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with the ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. See, when we allow ourselves to turn to the Lord, that's when the Lord says, okay, let me remove that veil. We don't remove the veil. But whenever we allow ourselves to turn to the Lord, the Lord's arms are able to reach down and pull that veil off of our face, and that's when we're allowed to, let me contemplate the glories of the Lord. Let me contemplate what the Word says. Let me contemplate. We have then access to try to understand. Until we turn to the Lord, you don't, it's like these people who study the Bible and study the Bible and come to the conclusion that there's no God. They haven't turned, they've, they've got the word in front of them, but they haven't turned to the Lord and there's still a veil. You only see a little bit. It's just knowledge. It's just another book to be scrutinized. It's just another thing for you to have on yourself. We can't live like that. God's arms are not too short. He removes the veil and he places us firmly inside of his hand. John 10, verses 28, give us this clear picture. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from my hand. God's arms are strong enough to keep you whenever you are turned, and your life is turned to the Lord. The enemy's not going to come and snatch you up out of his hand. There's no one strong enough to come and snatch you out of the Lord's hand unless you want to turn back away. Unless you want to remove yourself out of, unless you're done and tired of having to be submitted to the authority over you, no one can snatch you out of the Lord's hand. Not circumstance, not tragedy, not, not getting a promotion or getting a promotion or being too busy or not busy. There's, there's nothing that can snatch me out of the Lord's hand. Because our confidence and our gaze and our focus is upon what God's doing in our life. See, God's arms are reaching out to us. They're seeking to craft in us new life, new possibilities, and they are guiding us to new truth. 
The, the arms of the Lord is kind of like a father holding up their child as they're learning to ride their bike. And at first, at first, that it, it, it's step, it's step. Okay, you still got me? Okay, you still got me? And then as they're going, what, what, what the Lord is trying to do is he's trying to get you to a place where he can not let go of you to, to, so that you can be hurt. But, okay, you've, 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 uh, you've gone the direction. You've learned the balance of what my word can do. Okay, now here. He's not letting off his hand of you so that you'll fall down and get hurt. But what he's training you up to do is so that you can walk this out on your own. That's the love of the Father in your life. That's what God's trying to do. He empowers us to then be powerful. He gives us authority so that we can walk in authority. And, and, and in all of that, in everything that he does, God is vulnerable with us. You think about the arms of the Savior spread out on the cross. Vulnerable. He allowed himself to be pierced. We already read that. He allowed himself to be crucified for our sins. And then even after that, Thomas doubted. But you know what the Lord allowed Thomas to do? Come and, come and feel. Put your, put your hand in the holes. See, look, what, look, what I'm, look what I've done for you. See, see what I've taken upon myself. We have to stop seeing God's arms reach down to us as something negative. We have to stop feeling the hand of God on our life as something negative and oppressive. Religion will try, or, or people who are religious or people who think that they know what Christianity is, will try to tell you that it's just people trying to control and manipulate and it's God trying to empower you and discipline you and correct you and lead you and guide you to things that you could never get to by your own. See, 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It goes on to say in verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? He's reintroducing the question again. Who is it that overcomes the world? Them who allow themselves to be put under submission of the Lord. That's who overcomes. Those who receive the arms of God happily. Who receive the influence of the Spirit readily. Those are the ones who overcome the world. And, and, and we know that God did this for us. He allowed us to experience these things because he loves us and he wants to give us all things. I, Romans 8, 31, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if he didn't spare his own son for our sakes, will, will he not empower us to do all things that he sent him to do for us? If he didn't spare his own son, think about it. If, he, if, if the hand of God moved Christ to be put on the cross for us, if he didn't spare his own son, why in the world would he hold back from us or refrain from freely giving to us what we would need? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Our victory is before us, but it's made possible because of the arms of God. 
Proverbs 21.31. I love this scripture. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. You can make all the preparations. You can do everything in the natural that you know to do. You can walk the walk. You can have the verses. You can have the stickers. You can have the Christian t-shirts. You can have all the... But victory rests with a relationship with the Lord. That's where the, that's where the victory's at. The, the victory rests in the arms of your God who is willing and ready to allow you to walk in it and receive it. So this morning... Three things that God leads us, or, or, that, that the arms of God leads us into. And that they do for us. The arms of God stop us, <laughs> they lead us, and they carry us. So first, first one here, the arms of God stop us. Now this happens when we get out in front of God. Whenever we get out in front of God, the arms of God have to come out and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because there's two positions that God wants us to walk in. Think about Adam and Eve. They walked with God in the garden. There are times whenever we are walking with God. Here on this earth, we walk with God. The Spirit of God moves with us and we walk with God like a friend. Then there are other times whenever God wants us behind him. And that's for two reasons. For protection. You don't know where you're going. Let me show you. You you don't know where you're going. Let me show you. It's not to say that you may not in that area of your life one day be moved to a place where you're walking and working alongside the Lord. But there are some times where God's saying, you need to follow me. And let me show you how we're going to walk, how you do this. See, sometimes we get out in front of God and God's arms come up. and, 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 And it's hard for us Because a lot of people, and the the reason why I'm starting with you have to learn the no, is because there's so many people that are ready to be told go. You need to learn to be able to accept no before you can ever go. Because if you can't be told no, how can you go if you don't know? Okay, I'll stop. But seriously, you are not ready to, be, to, to go as a leader yet if you can't handle a no from the Lord. You, you don't understand. You're not prepared. It's not your season. It, this is not safe. And, and you're trying all the time, like, fighting through, swat and swim, getting over God's arm to get, because I'm ready. No, you're No, you're not. When I, when I was sharing this with the youth, one of the examples that I used, do, do you know what happens in a race at any track meet if you jump the gun more than, more than once? Do you know what happens? You're disqualified. You don't get to run anymore. God is trying to keep you back because it's not the right time yet, maybe. It just may not be the right time. Hold on. It, it's, that's not right. Anybody ate? fruit that's not ripe yet whoo it's not time it's not your season yet hold on we got we got some more just wait just you wait you got to wait for that gun you got to wait for that season and that will allow you to come into a place of maturity to where then you then you then you go 
because you know what the no meant, and now you're ready to walk into it. You know, God might be telling you no, because that's not safe. You need to look both ways. Okay, have you, you you've, you're, you're, you're saying I want to go, but hold on, hold on, hold on. We are going to cross this. We are going to cross this. Have you looked both ways to make sure? Have you, have you thought about what, what going is going to create? You know, Pastor Ashley talked about it a few weeks ago. Saying yes means then you have to maintain. Okay, sometimes we're in such a hurry. Boy, I'm right. Oh, oh, I didn't even, oh. I didn't even think about now I'm going to have to do that. And now I've got this job. And now and then that job means I'm going to have to find this person to, do, to watch my kids on these days. And look both ways. And sometimes God's saying no because you don't want to go there. Stop. That's dangerous. You're going to get hurt. Don't, don't go there. Don't step into that. Don't. And, and, and we have so many people who don't get the arm of God saying stop. They can't handle the no because they're in such a hurry to be let. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I'm not trying to hate on that song, but you need to get some borders. You've got a real democratic approach to the borders of your spirituality, and you're just trusting every, everything. Oh, I just, everything's good. Every, no, it's not. Call me out, Lord. You think everything's the call of God. You, you think everything is, is God trying to call. No, it is not. It, it's not you need to learn when the hand of God comes in, when the, when, when the messengers that God sends in your life are coming in, because there will come a day where you'll see God's arms and you'll see him face to face and you won't have to. But there are a lot of times God sends people our way to say, whoa, 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 whoa. And we can, or, okay, let me take a step back. Oh, God, I didn't even, okay, now that I'm, now that I'm, I'm mature, I see, man, I was not ready for that. Okay, we, we've got to see the, the stop and the Why? You know, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee you. But we got people trying to re resist the devil without submitting to God. And expecting the enemy to flee from within us and we're not submitted to God at all. You don't have any authority. You don't have any maturity in the word. You've not submitted yourself to a lifestyle that will produce for you a confidence in the word of God enough for you to say, devil, you ain't coming in here. You know, I think about the story out of the Bible where those men were going around casting out demons in the name of, of, of Jesus Christ who Saul preaches. And that worked for him for a little bit until finally they came up against a, a force that was too strong and said, okay, Saul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? Dangerous, dangerous. Submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. 1 John 5, 3 says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I loved what Pastor Tim said a few weeks ago, or last week, about 
you can't praise and dance enough to do in your life what just simple obedience will do for you. We're all the time trying to get, get up with our spirits. And we're trying to dance around and, and manufacture a spiritualness inside of us whenever just, just real simple obedience won't make you look like an idiot. You don't have to get near as sweaty. You don't, you don't have to sweat as much trying to manufacture false spirituality. Just do what the Word says. In fact, this is, you want to love God? God, I want to love you. I want to love you. Keep his commands. Let's just start there. Let's just start there. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read 7 because this is the part everybody loves to focus on. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We love that part of the scripture. I want to cast my anxiety on him. You are the problem. You're the reason for your anxiety. Lord, remove what's causing all this anxiety inside of me. God's like, I'd have to, I'd have to remove you, bro. Because the first part of the scripture in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Therefore that he may lift you up in due time. The reason why you've got so, you're so bent out of shape and you've got so much anxiety is because you're not submitted and you're not humbled. Start with that first. I'm just telling you, it gets easier and easier to hear no. Okay, it doesn't get a whole lot easier. But you'll at least, even though it's not easy, I can take medicine that tastes nasty because I know it's going to make me better. I can hear a no better now because I know, okay, it's going to make me better. Okay, so that's the first thing. The arms of the Lord stop you. The second thing that the arms of the Lord do once you are submitted is they lead you. But I want to preface this. They'll lead you as long as you want to be led. You know, one of the most annoying things is whenever I'm walking with my girls and I have to be the one that holds onto their hand and I'm dragging them wherever, and I'm reaching back and slapping them and not really. But I'm having to lead my kids through wherever we're going. It's just so much easier when they just hold on to my hands. Because then I can just relax my fingers. I can just relax my shoulders. They're holding on to me and we're going wherever we're trying. Or if I have to hold on to something, okay, girls right next to me and they're just walking with me and I've got the groceries or whatever Hannah's like (laughs) whatever I said or whatever where are we going yeah Hannah's like where's this fantasy land that we're going I want to (laughs) go Hannah's like take me there Lord take me there theoretically but 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 it's so much easier when you're trying to lead someone who wants to follow where you're wanting to go. It's just so much easier. God will lead you as far as you want to be led. But so many of us have the approach to the hand of God leading us, Father, lead me when I want to be. 
Show me, reveal to me, take me there, Lord, when I want to go and I'm good and ready. That's not his process. See, God's part in the process is that he's going to lead you where he's promised you. He's not going to lead you someplace that he's not promised you to go. Quit trying to make something that's not one of his promises something that he has to do on his part. That's not his nature either. You know, it's kind of like this too. There's a lot of people that are like, man, if just one of those other Israelites would have stood up, they could have killed Goliath and they wouldn't have had to wait on David. If anybody else but David would have stepped out to fight Goliath, he'd have absolutely tore him up. He'd He'd have smacked him. That's not what they were called to go to. But we see other people's callings, and we're like, God, take me over there. And we feel God leading us somewhere that isn't what we're coveting, and that's really what it is. It's not that we want to bless anybody. We see the stage, we see the mic, we see the opportunity, and we just want to be over there because that's where we see the calling on other people's lives. We're like, God, I want that. Oh, God must not be leading me. So then we try, again, we try just to manufacture our own calling. We speak, well, God's, God said, what God? Not every spirit is from the Lord. You're supposed to test every spirit. Oh, the spirit, I heard a voice and I, well, there's a lot of instances of that in the Bible and not all of them are from God. Who are you listening to? What are you being led to? What have you been called to? And quit looking over there. Quit using somebody else's life either as the justification for your action that isn't right or as the proof that, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do because so-and-so did it. That You may never... David wanted to build the temple and God told him, what did did God tell him? No, you can't do it. If David would have tried to build that temple, it would have either killed David or it would have never been finished. He waited and he let God do what he was called to do and then Solomon did what he was called to do. God will lead you and be led when he does. You know, my mom may not even remember this, but I could normally get away with a lot of stuff. Especially with my mom, because she's just so sweet. And my mom was always, I mean, if I did terrible at something, babe, that was so good. Oh, it was so good. You know, I couldn't, it was, yeah. Thanks, mom. You look great. But there was a time where I had my, after my first year of college, I knew where I was wanting to go. After that, I was going to transfer, and I was going to go, go to another college with one of my friends. We had the apartment picked out. I had already talked to the coach. Uh, I was going to try out for the basketball team there, and I was set, ready to go. It was a, it was a college in the city of Oklahoma City, um, and uh, I, was, I had everything packed, and I was ready to go. And my mom came up to me, and she said, and I just, and I don't even know if you remember this, Mom, but she said it like this, Chapman, if you go to that college, you'll have a great time, but it'll be the worst decision you ever make in your whole life. Now, my mom don't talk to me like that. (laughs) But I was smart enough to go, okay, okay, if this this isn't what I'm supposed to do, then, Lord, I want you to lead me wherever I'm, I'll go go to this other place. Well, it wasn't two months later, I met my wife at an ice cream social. 
It wasn't a couple months after that that I was hitting her in the face with a dodgeball at intramurals, and that started our conversation with how we were. And then now we just had our third child, and I'm, I'm, I'm here at this church. What I'm saying is, let yourself be led by the Lord, even when it doesn't seem, if it's God, God is the author and the finisher. Let him finish it. Exodus 6, verse 6. It says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I love what it goes on to say in verse 7. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. What I'm wanting to tell you today is be led into what God is leading you into. And what he is leading you into is what he has promised you. There is a promised land living that you can experience if you'll let God lead you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Be led into salvation. Be led into peace. Be led into healing. Be led into forgiveness. Sometimes for other people, but sometimes we got to learn to forgive ourselves. Be led into strength. Be led into the fire of the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in tongues. Be led into integrity. Be led into wisdom. Be led into a soundness of mind. You can be led into whatever God has promised you in His Word. I walked into Adam's class this morning in Elevation because I had to print off my copies. And Adam was talking about the importance of if you're a Christian and you've never read the Word of God, you're missing out on what the promises are. You don't even know what you could be led into. Oh, my great-granddaddy was like this, and my daddy was like this, so I'll be like this. Well, my great-grandma had this health issue, and my grandma had this issue, so I'll... That is not what Jesus Christ died on the cross for you today. You heard it here. You didn't hear it here first, but you just heard it here. You have been promised a plethora of things. Be led into what you lack if it's God's promise for your life. You can be led in anything. I'm not asking you to walk on the water like Peter did because you weren't called to walk on the water like Peter did. And if you try to walk on water, you're going to sink. The only reason why Peter was able to do something that went against the laws of science is because Jesus Christ said, you can walk on water, walk on water. Everything that we're allowed to walk into that goes against this world, if it's a promise of God, and the arm of God is saying here, you can have it. We can be led into it, okay? So let the Lord lead you. Psalm 44, 3, before we go into our last point, love this verse. It was not by their sword that they won their land, and the land they're talking about is the promised land. Nor did their arm bring them victory, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. Another, another, pass, or another translation, instead of the light of your face, it says the light of your presence the presence of God. You cannot be led into victory in any area where you're not allowing the presence of God to shine on that 
and to say, go here, go there, be led, be led, be led, okay? When an opportunity to live by the word and to be led into something comes along, I want to encourage you this morning, take it and watch your life get on the track of a different level. Just telling, if you'll just, in faith, every time you have an opportunity to walk in the promises of God, take them. And watch your life slowly change into something that you could have never thought or imagined. Okay? And the last, the last thing that the arms of God do, that we can allow God to do, is they carry us. See, because sometimes we don't need to be stopped and we don't need to be led Sometimes we just need to be carried. We just need to be carried. You know, when the Bible says that even youths stumble and fall. You know, and I'm not a youth anymore, but I used to be. And even youths grow tired and weary. But you can mount up and be lifted up and be carried up on wings like eagles. See, the arms of God sometimes, whenever you're in that middle of that hurt, that big pain, that big whatever, you're having a meltdown, you're having whatever, what you need at, at that moment, what God is willing to do is he's willing to step in and scoop you up and pick you up and just hold you and carry you. We've all experienced those times where we just, man, just the arms of God. Yeah. The church wrapped their arms around us. Loved ones in the faith picked us up. That's God's arms carrying us. I love what Deuteronomy 1 verse 30 says. It says, The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. And I love what God, look, look at the way the word tries to show us God's character. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way until you reached this place. All the way. He reached down and he picked you up and he carries you all the way into the promise. The, the, the love of God for you, when you are turned to him and you are relying on him, in those moments where, where it's, it, you're, okay, God, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm not doing everything right, but God, my eyes are on you. My focus is on you. God, help me, Lord. His arms are stooping down to pick you up and to carry you. And one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Isaiah 46, verse 3 says, Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that I will be compared? What God is saying is that from the moment of your birth until the day you finally Lay your head down to rest for, for, for eternity. God is saying, I am the one. I am the one who knows you. I am the one who is with you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will lift you up. I know when you didn't have very much hair to begin with, 
I'm not pointing at Hannah. Pointing at my baby. Those of you that can't see, she's got my, my new daughter. And then whenever you get old and you don't have very much hair then, I, I know you inside and out. So who are you going to trade me for? Who are you going to liken me to? Who are you going to compare me with that you think that you could replace me for? Whenever I'm the one. Even whenever you were biting the hand that was feeding you. Even whenever you were pulling your hand out of my hand. I was reaching down to scoop you up and to carry you. I was reaching down to love you, just to hold you. Like a father carries a son. Like a father carries a son in love. Oh, my pride and joy. You are God's pride and joy. We need to stop seeing God and his arms and his hands as a negative thing or as opposition. God's love for you is like a father. And what he is trying to do is he's trying to keep upon you the crown that he himself put on you. He's trying to straighten that. He's trying to fix that. that. Girl, that ain't how a daughter of the Most High acts. Son, That's you don't have to live like that. You don't have to think like that. Come on, let me show you something. Here, let me hold you. Here, let me love on you. Let me lead you. To the, here, hold my hand. Oh, son, let's fix that. Daughter, let's fix that. That's, that's how God sees you. Take hold to what you have so that you don't lose the crown that's been placed upon your head. So you don't forget that you're royalty. That you've been made to, to have access to the promises and the promised land experience right now. Don't, don't quit, quit hitting my hand away. Let me wipe. You've got stuff. I don't even know what it is. Just stuff. And I'm trying to clean you up so that you don't look disheveled to anybody. Because you're my kid. I'm trying to clean you up because you're my kid. And it's not that you're a poor reflection on me. I can't, God's saying, I can't be poorly reflected on. I'm God. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean you up so that you look good. I'm going to clean you up because, man, I want people to see you because you're my kid. I want you to walk in blessing, not because I want you to go spend it on frivolous things, but because you're my kid. I want you to experience my promises. I want you to experience my love. His arm is outstretched to you, to uplift you, to lead you, to correct you, to carry you. His hand is the author and finisher of your faith. And right now, while we're here on this earth, while yes, it takes faith for us to see God because we're on this side, we can still feel him. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that in a holy way. We can see him as he moves through his people, as he moves through his body. You know, the love of God in this church is huge. I've seen you guys wrap your arms around hurting and broken people, loving on people. I've seen, you know, I'm getting ready to call the prayer team up here in just a moment. I've seen miracles take place up here. And it's not the people, but it's, it's the people as the representation Stretch out your hand and heal your people. That was the New Testament. Stretch out your hand, signs and wonders and healings, chains being broken through the guidance of people, God's people. 
That's what God wants to do in your life. So this morning, I'm going to go ahead and have the prayer team go ahead and come on up. You guys go ahead and stand with me. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.